Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor and I am joined here by my fantastic co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hi, everybody. Hi, welcome, welcome. Thank you. This is my first podcast in a while where I'm actually in the United States, but I'm still not home yet. I'm in Florida and then heading to the Sweetwater Festival, which I'm really excited about in Atlanta. I'll be seeing a lot of our um, guests. That is so exciting. I wish that I was going to be there with you. Me too. I wish that so much. Yeah. Well, welcome back stateside. Thank you. It's been quite a trip. But let's all take a moment to get grounded and really feel how you feel like in the moment of doing this exercise and after, because that is actually what this whole episode is going to be about. So if it's available to you and safe for what you are experiencing now in this moment, place your hands on your heart and close your eyes. We'll take three deep breaths together. Take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth. And you can make any sounds that you want as you exhale. So inhale and exhale. And inhale and exhale. And may the next time with us be filled with presence and inspiration to bring this practice of mindfulness into your everyday experience. And so it is. And so it is. Yeah, so this is a very exciting episode that we have for you, and it was actually inspired by our last episode, episode 44 with Rob Kampa, Life Lessons from the Stage, and Rob talked a lot about meditation. I don't think he was planning on talking about meditation, but... (laughs) (laughs) As goes our podcast, right? Yeah. (laughs) to talk about what they talk about, but then they're so happy they did. I know. Yeah. So I, as I was like listening back to Rob's episode, I was like, you know what? Terry Lee and I should do an episode about our experience with meditation or mindfulness or whatever we want to call it. And I know for both of us that it has made such an impact in our lives with our health and wellness. And for me also with my live music experience. And so We really wanted to take this time to talk a little bit about kind of debunk some of the myths about meditation to really talk about our experience, uh, how we got started. You know, was it easy? Was it difficult? Also, what we've gained from a meditation practice and then sharing some resources and tips with you. Wonderful. I'm so excited to talk about this subject and shine a light on it because it is such an important part of my life. And I know so many other people's lives. And it really like, when I started adding this to practice is when so much in my life shifted in the direction that I wanted it to. And when it doesn't, it helps me to deal with it so much better. Exactly. (laughs) That's Yeah, it's amazing in so many ways. And it can be a little daunting. I know for myself, I'll just quickly like share my first experience with meditation. For me, it was always something that I knew was good for me and that I should be doing. But honestly, when I thought about sitting in meditation and, you know, we're going to get to some of the myths in a minute, and I wish I would have known this before I had started practicing, but I literally 
looked at it as torture. I was like, what? I have to sit there and not move and not have any thoughts? That is not possible. And it sounds like torture to me. So I never did it, even though I like had this in intuition that it would be really good for me, I just couldn't bring myself to do it because it didn't sound fun at all. And I I like to do things that are fun. <laughs> so, but then when I was in my PhD program for mind-body medicine, I was required to do it for a class. And I had to like keep a notebook of all of my experience and have a dedicated practice. And it was during that time that I learned that it wasn't actually what I thought it was going to be and that it was beneficial to me. So I'll, I'll tell you some of the insights that I learned in a minute, but I just wanted to let you know that if you feel like meditation sounds like torture, <laughs> that uh, that's totally normal. And this is a great episode for you. Yeah, I actually had a very similar experience being somebody with ADHD who has a really hard time sitting still and thoughts are like, I either have like no thoughts or I have like 20 trillion gazillion thoughts running through my head. And the thought of having to sit still and do what I thought was absolutely nothing felt the same, like a torturous experience for me. And so, and also I was like, I would try it and I would be bad at it. Mm -hmm. I know now that you can't, there's no such thing as being good or bad at meditating, but I thought that I was bad at it. And so my excuse was I'm bad at it. So I'm not going to do it mm -hmm. where like, if it is really hard for you and it's a difficult thing, it actually, you're probably the person that needs it the most. Cause I know that was true for me Yeah, and that it's not torture. And that like, I also learned, I don't need to sit for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour in silence every day. Even if I meditate for one minute, which we'll probably dive into this more, but even if I meditate for one minute a day, it's the 365 minutes of meditation that I normally wouldn't have done. And that amount of meditation will change your life. So when I realized that, that I didn't have to like have this lofty goal that I knew that I couldn't stick to, I was able to stick to this practice. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get to some of the myths. Like, I think that's one of them that people feel like it has to be a certain way. Like I have to do this for 20 minutes, you know, because transcendental meditation, like that's what the practice is. It's sitting for 20 minutes and that doesn't feel realistic to most people. So I love that you found that out on your own. And it's very true. There's actually research that shows that it's not the amount of time that you sit in meditation. It's actually the consistency of sitting in meditation. So if you can commit to one minute a day, that is going to be better than thinking that you have to do 20 minutes and then you might do it like once a month or once every other month because it's not realistic for your schedule. Yeah, I have a couple of friends that have done the 10 day silent Vipassana. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, meditation retreat, mm -hmm. which is so intense. Yeah. But they were telling me those people have brought practice or meditation into their daily lives. But they said that there's a lot of people that like go to this 10 day silent meditation like once a year and then don't meditate any other time. <laughs> <laughs> and that they're like, I don't understand why this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not noticing any difference. And that's why. Like, you can't just like, it's like anything. You can't go to the gym on day one and be like, I'm going to bench press 5,000 pounds. <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible because I don't bench press, but I'm not going to pick up the heaviest weights and like 
go do 25 reps. You know, I'm probably going to pick up really light weights and do one rep or three reps or five reps. And then next time, maybe I'll do more, but maybe I'm just happy with that amount of rep that I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to hear a funny story about a 10 day silent retreat, Definitely listen to Rob's episode because he talks about his experience and it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, we won't give anything away, even though that's like a hard thing. I always want to tell everybody everything, but you'll have to go listen to that episode if you want to find out that story and we highly recommend it. Yes. Again, that's episode 44 with Rob Kampa. Yeah. So that's one of the myths that it has to be done, you know, in a certain amount of time. And also I would say in a certain way, like you know, seated, not moving. Um, And Tara Lee, why don't you talk a little bit about how that is not true too? Yes, that is definitely not true. That was one thing that held me back also, because I actually, it's really uncomfortable for me to like sit for a long period of time. All I think about is how I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, which now I can do it because I have built the muscle where I can sit with being uncomfortable. But when I was starting, I don't think that was possible for me at all. And I had a huge beanbag chair in my room at the time and this really awesome fuzzy blanket. Mm -hmm. And that was a, like a treat for me to lie in that beanbag chair with that fuzzy blanket. So I was like, I'm, I'm not allowed to lie in that beanbag chair or fuzzy blanket for the rest of the day. If I don't do my meditation (laughs) in there. So it really helps me to do it. And, and there's no reason why you can't do it in that way. You don't have to necessarily be sitting upright to be able to do it. You don't necessarily even have to be in a quiet place. Like one of my favorite places to meditate now is in the airport because it's so wild and crazy and there's so much going on. And I'm like, if I can find peace here, Mm -hmm. I can find peace anywhere in my life. Yes, absolutely. And that, that I love that too. When I teach meditation classes, like I used to teach it at the Y and we would do it in the gym, but then like the weight room was right beside it. And some people would get upset because it wasn't totally quiet in there. But I I was like, but this is what you're practicing for so that you can find <laughs> the ability to like be present with all that's going on around you because life is not quiet and controlled all the time. Um, you know, you can't control your environment. It is helpful to start in a little bit more of a controlled environment so that you can really get a handle on the practice. But, you know, most people I know for myself, like I'm practicing in that controlled environment so that I can find that peace wherever I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the other big myth that I can think of is that the goal is to not have any thoughts. I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, the goal is for me to not think. And, you know, first of all, that's really not realistic in our everyday life. Like we're not training to be monks. We're not sitting in meditation all day, every day. This is something that likely you're doing because you want to be able to navigate life more gracefully. Um, So yeah, it's awesome when you can find those like 10 seconds or five seconds or 20 seconds without the thoughts. And that may be something that you're working towards, but it's absolutely not realistic for that to happen when you first start like that. The, the goal is to just be present with what is in the moment. And part of what is in the moment are those thoughts that are racing through your head. Yeah. So when I 
um, teach uh, meditation at my retreats or in my online program. Actually, Ryan Monplu taught me this technique, but when your thoughts come through, it's like a, a cloud passing by mm-hmm. in the sky. So you don't like camp out on that cloud. And so like a way I like to describe it is say the cloud that comes by is like, oh, I'm so hungry. So you could spiral from that thought of like, oh, I don't have anything to eat at home. I'm such a mess. Like I, I never have the things that I need. I need to get my life together. It's the worst. That is like, that's going with the thought and spiraling. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing that, you have the thought of like, oh, I'm hungry. And you're like, great. And then you bring your awareness back to your breath and your body. So you're, it's just, it's still there but you're observing it and you're not getting attached to it. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be days where your sky is full of like a million clouds. And then you're going to have days where maybe there's one cloud or there's no clouds. Even if you practice all the time, you'll have less and less clouds on average, but Mm -hmm. still the most experienced meditator will still have clouds that pass by in the sky. But the thing is to not get attached to that which is the really important part. Absolutely. And that's exactly how I describe it too when I'm teaching. It's like you don't jump up and try to follow that cloud all the way across the earth. Like, (laughs) you know, you notice it and you, you watch it drift away and then you notice the next cloud. And that's exactly what, what we're doing in meditation with our thoughts. But it would probably be helpful to talk about because there's different types of meditation, right? So to talk about the type of meditation that we practice, that we're, you know, that we teach that we're most comfortable with. Yeah. So I know guided meditations are really great for people. We both have guided meditations that we offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I really love sitting in silence. Like it feels like this nice little mini vacation and I do it for one minute. And then if I feel like doing it for longer, like after I do it for one minute, sometimes I'm like, I am complete. And other times I'm like, I feel like doing this for another five minutes Mm -hmm. and then I will, but that's just a bonus. The one minute is my baseline. And for that one is sitting in silence with a straight spine, having your breath go in and out of your nose in a circular motion and observing what that is going in and out your nose. And when you have the thought, the cloud that is in the sky, you just observe it and you're like, that's cool. And you bring your awareness back to your breath in and out your nose. Mm -hmm. And that is one of my favorite ways to do meditation. But I also really like, I do this movement meditation where I put on some like ambient music, or I can do it in silence. Also, I set a timer and I move as slowly as I possibly can. And that is my way of bending time and space (laughs) because oftentimes like, it'll maybe I do it for five minutes and I feel like it was two seconds. It's so amazing. If I'm like waiting for something and I'm feeling really anxious, Mm -hmm. I will do this practice because you're so embodied and you're so present and you're moving so slow. It's really hard to have any other thoughts when you're doing this practice. So that's definitely one of my favorite ones. I love that. That's awesome. What about you? Yeah. Well, for me, I would say that I practice mindfulness meditation and that's when I teach it, I usually, I usually call it mindfulness because I actually feel like that's more accessible to people. Like, I don't know, people just sometimes have a a negative reaction to meditation, but mindfulness feels like a little bit more accessible. And so the the kind of definition of mindfulness that I use is from John Kabat-Zinn, who is really the person who brought mindfulness to 
the West and he's the one that created the mindfulness best based stress reduction. He's done a ton of research on mindfulness and it it's literally the this these are the three things. It's sitting in silence in a particular way. So on purpose, it's saying, okay, right now for these next this next minute or five minutes, I'm gonna pay attention to the present moment. Right. So on purpose, in the present moment, without judgment. And those are the three kind of concepts of mindfulness, deciding to pay attention, paying attention to the present moment and doing it without judgment, which for most people that, I mean, everybody can get tripped up on any of those. The deciding may be a little bit easier because it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Being in the present moment, not always easy. And certainly the without judgment is oftentimes what people realize, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's really hard for me because <laughs> we, we're constantly judging things as good or bad. It's like we sit down on our seat and all of a sudden we're like, gosh, this is really hard. I need to get a new seat. I, I don't have money to buy a new seat. You know, and it's like, that's when we get carried off by those clouds into the story of what's happening in the present moment. Yeah. The judgment thing. That one is just so hard for me because like, I remember this happened very recently, actually I was meditating and I was like, damn, I'm so good at meditating. <laughs> I had that thought and then I was like, oh wait, that means I'm bad at meditating. <laughs> and then I started having this whole like conversation with myself in my head. And I was like, wait, that is not what meditating is about. I need to get back to the present moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. So to kind of bring in a little bit of my experience when I, when I was forced (laughs) through my class to to start meditating the what, well, two things I really noticed up front. One was how many thoughts I had going through my head. Like that was really eye-opening when I finally really paid attention to all of the thoughts in my head. I was like, wow, (laughs) there's no wonder they call this monkey mind. Like my thoughts were just all over the place. And The second thing that really stood out to me was how judgmental I was on myself. Like I was so hard on myself. Just, I don't remember the exact what I was being hard on myself about because this was, I don't know, seven years ago now. But I do remember that was really eye-opening to me. I realized that I just held myself to such a high standard that I was really hard on myself. And that actually made me realize that I was hard on the people that were around me and the closest to me, which were my husband and my son, because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm holding myself to this super high standard. And that's what I expect from other people around me too. And so it was just really eye-opening to me to be more kind and gentle with myself, to drop that judgment and just be able to like be with what is in the present moment without it having to be good or bad. Just it simply is. Yeah, it simply is. And that's like why it's so important because you can deal with life better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, that doesn't mean that like this may also be a myth about mindfulness specifically. That doesn't mean that like I don't do the right thing or, you know, still live a life with my values. Um, 
it just means that when something is happening, I'm getting less triggered because I think that it's wrong or bad. You know, it like really allows me to sit in this place of kind of acceptance in a way, you know, of like just what's happening and then be able to navigate it in a way that is actually coming more from my values as opposed to getting triggered by something. Yeah. And when you are triggered because we're humans and we're likely to get triggered, it's not like, like when I used to get triggered, it would be this whole big ordeal where, which still happens sometimes, but now like 99.9% of the time when I'm triggered, I'm able to just observe the trigger and then feel how I need to move through it from there. So it's not something that I then it triggers me and I go into this whole big ordeal and situation and drama, I kind of am able to like breathe through it and be with it and see what I need to hear from it and move, have it move through me. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't get stuck so much. And that is like such a big mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I just want to share this one story that um, I learned at my nutrition school that had to do with mindfulness. My, my teacher was talking about how he had this client who was like, I love McDonald's and I eat it every day and I will never eat anything else. It's, I want to change my life, but I will not change that. Mm-hmm. And so my teacher was like, okay, well, when do you eat your McDonald's? And he said, I eat it when I'm driving. I like go pick it up and I eat it while I'm driving to work. And then during lunch, I'll go there and then I'll eat it on the way back from lunch. And I do the same thing for dinner. It's like, okay, I want you to pull over and set a timer and eat your McDonald's in five minutes. Like take five minutes, eat it. I want you to really taste it and savor it and be present with it. Mm-hmm. So after two weeks, when he had his next session with this guy, the guy came back and he was like, I don't like McDonald's. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> But he was never mindful. He was just like living his life and his normal patterns and the things that he was doing. And he wasn't even paying attention to this thing that he was nourishing himself with. And when he took the time to like actually pay attention to what he was doing and what it tasted like and what it felt like and how he felt after, he was like, this is the worst and I will never eat this ever again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Because if, yeah. if the teacher, you know, I, he was already holding strong that like, you're not going to tell me not to do this. And the teacher was like, okay, just notice. And honestly, like probably unattached to what the outcome of that was, because if you are, no matter what kind of food you're eating, if you are eating it in a mindful way, it's actually, it's more beneficial to you, even if it is McDonald's. Um, yeah. So like that, that is helpful for anything, but then for him to notice. And I just want to point out that some people may may be like, well, but isn't that a judgment that he doesn't like McDonald's? But actually, no, he's just noticing that what's true in that present moment, which is this doesn't taste good. This doesn't feel good to my body. This isn't right for me, which is one of the the benefits of mindfulness is being able to really tune into what is right for us. And oh my God, that is such an important thing in life because we we have to be our own judges of that. And there's so much information coming at us from so many other places trying to tell us what we like or what we don't like or what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And absolutely a mindfulness practice is something that allows us to be able to feel into that ourselves. 
Yep. 100%. Yeah. Well, Tara Lee, going back to kind of our experiences with mindfulness, do you have anything to share about your experience? I've shared a couple of things about mine. Yeah. Well, so as I said before, I have ADHD and it has really helped me so much with the kind of things that I struggle with when it comes to ADHD of like having a monkey mind and so many thoughts running through it, having a really hard time sitting still for any amount of time, um, staying focused on something, um, also like staying consistent with something. Mm -hmm. So really like it, it doesn't come natural, you know, like it's not like I just started meditating and it was like, oh, this is so easy. It was so hard mm-hmm. and like I had to really work at it and still now I have to like make a commitment and work at it, but the benefits are so worth it. And so like when I fall off of the train, because I do sometimes I like once I hop back on, I was like, ah, it's so nice to be back. Like, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. And the more that I do that, the less that I hop off because I'm like noticing the, the huge benefit that it has in my life and how, how far I've come and how I've changed from, I mean, even like five years ago where I was then to where I am now is amazing. And how I have this successful business, like my mindfulness practice has like everything to do with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit about how you feel like that's impacted your business? (laughs) Yeah. I think just like not going with my thoughts, like how I was talking about that one minute sitting in silence and being present and just observing my thoughts Mm -hmm. helped me especially in my business, because you know how many obstacles you have when you're like trying to be your own boss. Mm -hmm. There's so, there's so many obstacles that happen when that is. And like in the past, I would have that obstacle and I would just like run the other way and kind of abandon ship where now I'm able to be present with that obstacle and what it is and what it means and the lessons that it's teaching me and how to move on. And that has been like, really life-changing and life-shifting to be able to to do that. And I really think my mindfulness practice has like everything to do with that. And then also like, I want to live a life in, a, in alignment. And when you are present with whatever is, you're going to follow what is in alignment more and more because you're going to become aware of what is not in alignment more mm-hmm. and more. And then you're going to start doing things that are in alignment. And then the things that aren't are going to naturally fall off just like that guy that that didn't actually like mcdonald's mm-hmm. that naturally fell off and then now he still has to eat so what is he eating he's probably eating something that feels better to him because he is being more mindful and that is how it like shifted in my life and my business and my relationships and everything yeah it really is amazing how like a consistent mindfulness or meditation practice of one minute a day, five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever it might be, can trickle into the rest of life. Like I know for me, some of the things that I have gained is, first of all, being more kind and gentle with myself, Um, noticing when I'm getting, when I'm being hard on myself. Uh, That's the thing. It like, it, it allows this awareness outside of the practice. It's like, like you said, building that muscle. It is really building that muscle so that, you know, I'm not walking around in the present moment all the time. <laughs> That's not realistic. <laughs> what? You're not? I am. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, 
Yeah, I I still am a planner. So I think this is also something that happens with people. So most of the time when people start a practice, a meditation practice, and they start paying attention to their thoughts, they're going to notice, are you living primarily in the past or are you living primarily in the future? Right. Because oftentimes our our mind goes to one or the other. Are you ruminating about things that happened in the past that like should have been different or you could have done differently or whatever it is? Or are you like me, which is what I noticed that, oh my God, I'm always thinking about the future. It's like, I gotta do this and then I'm gonna do that. And then I'm, and you know, that's helpful. Like we need to plan, right? It's it, that in our lives, planning is helpful to constantly be in the future, then you're never enjoying the present. And so, um, yeah, so that's just to say that it, I'm not always in a present state, but it does allow me to have much more awareness in my life. And it allows me to be able to drop into that presence so much easier. Like if I feel a warm breeze on my skin or I notice a flower that I really want to be with or, you know, I'm with a loved one that I like really want to savor the moment, like I can so much more easily tap into that present moment than I would be able to if I didn't practice mindfulness on a regular basis. Yeah, because you built up that muscle really strong Mm -hmm. from the beginning. It's like you're going to the meditation gym every day and you're getting stronger and you're able to lift heavier and heavier weights and the things that used to feel heavy before now feel like nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to also share, you know, Tara Lee and I have shared our experience and what we have gained, but I also want to highlight just a few things that research has also found um, to be beneficial with meditation and mindfulness. So I'm just going to list off a few so that you can have even more fuel to begin your practice or stick with your practice. This is one of my favorite parts of this podcast because like, I know that meditation is good, but hearing this research about it, you're just like, okay, it really affirms how you feel. And if you're maybe you're like thinking about adding something that we've talked about, when you describe the science behind it, it really like kicks you into gears. So thank you so much for this. And it's amazing. And I'm so looking forward to hear what you have to say. Yay. Yeah. So we will go ahead and call this the. Did you know? So some benefits of mindfulness, I think I have about 13 written down that research has shown. One is that it helps to reduce stress. I think we can all benefit from that in our lives right now. And, you know, part of that is that stress is often we're stressing about something that hasn't happened. It's usually in the future or, you know, something that's not actually in our present moment right now. So when we can bring ourselves to our breath and back to our bodies and realize that right now in this moment, everything is okay, that I have a roof over my head, that I have clothes on my body, that the temperature is fine, like that there's nothing out there that's going to attack me. (sighs) That, you know, kicks on our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the antidote to stress, which is in our sympathetic nervous system. So it helps to reduce stress. Also helps to manage anxiety along the same lines as stress. Um, It you know, that practice of just coming back to the present moment, remembering that in this moment, everything is okay. That helps to manage anxiety. It helps to increase emotional health. 
because emotions are energy and like just a pure emotion. I think what the experts say is that it will run its course in like 90 seconds. If we just allow an emotion to flow through as just it's pure, like if we want to think of it as a cloud in the sky, like just kind of rolling through or a wave in the ocean, which is actually kind of more how I see an emotion. If we can ride that wave for 90 seconds and not think about the story of that emotion, then we can get through it. And that, that is mindfulness. And, uh, I, yeah, well, yeah, but the, a light bulb is going off in my head because this is how I am. Like I feel things right away. And it's also how children are. Mm -hmm. You see a kid, like they're on the playground and someone hurts their feelings. They scream and cry about it. And they're like, you hurt me. And then they're like back and playing with each other again because they felt the emotion and let it move through them. Mm -hmm. And I used to think that was something that was wrong with me because I wasn't having these huge breakdowns to break through. I was just like, I feel sad. And this is why I feel sad. And then I would cry. And then 90 seconds later, I'm like, we, and I'm back to me again. So it's so true. And at my retreat this past week, like that's what people were talking about. They're like, we see you just letting the stuff go through you. And then people were like, it's actually safe to be with how you are in any given moment. And then everybody was moving through their emotions so fast. (laughs) Yes. And that is mindfulness, like being how you are in any given moment and just allowing that to be okay. Okay. You're feeling sad. Okay. You're feeling mad. Like that's okay. We're human beings. That's normal. We're supposed to be feeling (laughs) all of those emotions. So yeah, that is so awesome. And the fact that you can mirror that you can like, you know, show that show up in that way for people, then that that's an inspiration, you know, that allows other people to know that they can do it too. That Tara Lee is not going to self combust anytime that she feels her emotions. (laughs) Although who knows, maybe she (laughs) turns into glitter and dust and and then reforms again. But I have not ever seen it happen. (laughs) I talk about it a lot of how I would spontaneously combust into a pile of dirt, sand and glitter, but it hasn't happened that I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm here to tell the tale. You know, that also, we also talk about um, emotions in the Rob Kampa episode too. So he talks about Mm -hmm. how he deals with his emotions in a very healthy way. Yeah. So mindfulness, obviously, as we've talked about, it enhances self-awareness, which really allows us to get to know ourselves better. It allows us to make good choices for ourselves. It allows us to be able to follow our own unique path, which is so important. It lengthens attention span. Tara Lee, you could probably attest to this. <laughs> I think you I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we can, and this is this is why it's often really uncomfortable at first because our attention spans are so short, and our mind. So here's the thing about our bodies: once we start doing something new our bodies kind of like retaliate against it because our bodies actually like things to be the same. They don't like change. Even if it's change for the better, our bodies don't know that. They don't know what's on the other side. They don't know why we're doing something different. All they know is I know how to operate in this state. And if we change, that's not going to be good for me. 
And so that's why our minds, like when we start trying to bring ourselves to the present moment, will try to take us out of it so many times. But we just have to act like the parent that knows better <laughs> and gently guide ourselves back to the present moment, to our breath, to our body sensations, to the sounds that we're hearing, whatever it might be. And with more and more practice, that allows us to lengthen our attention, which is a really good thing because then we can be more present with the ones that we love. We can be more present at our work. We can be more present whenever we need to be. Yeah. Thank you for that one so much. Cause it's like, it is such a struggle and like knowing that that's normal and that it will be less of a struggle if we keep on doing it is like, is really inspiring and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it also can help decrease age-related memory loss, which as people are getting older, they often start to worry about that. So mindfulness <laughs> and meditation can help you with that. It can generate kindness. This is something that I mentioned that I noticed because I was able to be more kind and gentle with myself. That then allowed me to be more kind and gentle with my family. If I walk out and they're not doing what I think that they should be doing, I can take a breath and say, it's all good. They have a different way of being than I do. And that's okay. Um, yeah. So it can help us to be more kind with ourselves and others. It can help improve sleep, which, you know, I think part of that is helping to reduce the stress and anxiety. If we're constantly in a, an activated state in our stress response, of course, our body is not going to allow us to fall asleep because it thinks that there's an immediate threat out there. And if there's a tiger lurking around in our bedroom and we fall asleep, we're likely not going to wake up. So that's why our body, when we're in that stress response, it's so much harder to get to sleep. We kind of have to be like fully exhausted or take something, you know, take sleep pills or drink some alcohol or smoke some pot or whatever people do to try to get themselves to sleep. But you could practice mindfulness instead. Yeah. And when you were little, if you ever counted sheep, you were practicing mindfulness. Yes. Yep. Uh, Mindfulness can also help reduce pain, which is something that I have seen in my work with chronic pain patients. <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive because somebody who has pain in their body, like the last thing that they want to do is be fully present with that pain. But in actuality, and I could talk a whole episode about this itself, but there's the physical sensation of pain and then there's the mental and the emotional reaction to the pain. And what mindfulness does is it just hones in on the physical sensation of the pain and it lets go of the emotional and mental reaction to it. Oh my gosh, that another light bulb just went off because I actually, I have this like genetic thing that I'm in chronic pain. And when I first like found out about it, I went on this message board and was like, I feel great all the time, but here are all the things that I deal with on a regular basis. And then a bunch of people were like, uh, that's literally what chronic pain is. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, but like, I feel like I feel great all the time. <laughs> um, and it was because I'm not emotionally attached to it. But back in the day, that was not true. I remember my dance teacher being like, do you ever feel good? Mm -hmm. And she asked me that because I always, something was always bothering me. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like nothing bothers me. But as I'm getting older, there's definitely even more things that are bothering me, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem to affect me. Yeah, that's awesome. 
It's just like rolling with that wave or watching that cloud pass by. You know, when we don't get attached to it, when we don't connect a story to it, it's so much more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, mindfulness can also help to lower blood pressure because often stress is increasing our blood pressure. And if anybody has gone to the doctor and had their blood pressure taken and then the nurse told you to take a couple of deep breaths and she took it again or he took it again and noticed that it was lower, that's your proof right there. (laughs) Once we can just take a couple of breaths and really focus in on the present moment, then our blood pressure can decrease. And if we do that on a regular basis, we can actually help to lower our blood pressure um, on a regular basis. So the last benefit of mindfulness or meditation, and especially mindfulness, and maybe this is just my bias, but is it's accessible. Like if you think about the definition of mindfulness that I gave, paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment, you can do that anywhere and anyhow that you want to. You can do it while you're washing your hands, while you're sitting at a red light, while you're moving slowly in your bedroom, while you're while you're eating. While you're doing anything. Yeah. While you're eating, while you're making love, while you're dancing to live music. Like you can practice mindfulness anywhere and everywhere. And it's free. And it's free. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I love the deal. And that's the deal. (laughs) Oh yeah. Me too. And now for the Daily Jam. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you out there to meditate for one minute. And you're going to focus on the breath coming in and out of your nose, in and out of your nose. When you have a thought, that cloud that is going to go through the sky, you just observe it, but you don't go with it. And you'd be like, cool, that's awesome. I had a thought. And then you'll bring your awareness back in through your nose, out through your nose, in through your nose, out through your nose. And you're going to try this sitting with your spine completely straight and only for one minute. And I want you to do it every day. So seven days a week. And then when you have completed that, head on over to the Groove Therapy podcast community on Facebook and let us know how your life completely changed and how you're now living your most amazing dream life. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding about that. But we just want to know how, what has changed since meditating for one minute every day for seven days. Yes, absolutely. Please do let us know. And as you let us know, it will inspire other people. And you definitely have a minute in your day. So that's your challenge. Yeah. And and your daily jam. On the toilet, like sitting on a toilet, you can sit with a straight spine. So that could be where you Mm -hmm. do it. There you go. Instead of taking your phone into the toilet and scrolling through mindlessly. I never (laughs) do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And actually, so we also wanted to give you some other resources and tips. And one of them that I would love to offer for people actually has a timer. It's a free app. It's called Insight Timer. And it is what I use to meditate. And that is, you can download it. Like I said, it's free. It's really awesome. There's actually so many free guided meditations. Um, but I, I honestly use it most of the time for the timer. 
So you can set it for one minute and that way you don't have to think and look at your phone and be like, has it been a minute? I don't know. How long has it been? It's like you just set that, you hit the button. It can you can make it have a sound to like signify, okay, this is the time that I'm paying attention. I hear my gong. Yeah, I use and then the gong. You do too. your minute. <laughs> you use you do your minute and then you hear another bell or gong or whatever it might be. And uh, you can even actually put background music behind it, like soothing guitar or uh, rushing water or whatever it might be. So I love that app so much. And like I said, I mainly use it for the timer, but there's all kinds of meditations and they're free. And you can, of course, pay for like longer series. So there's an opportunity to pay if you want to, but I have never paid for it and I've gotten so much use out of it. And I use it too, like if I can't really sleep, um, if I'm up for like 30 or 45 minutes and I'm like, okay, this is not working. I've tried all the things that I can do. I need somebody else's voice to really guide me into a state of relaxation. I'll turn on my inside timer and either put on medit like binary beats or meditation music or a guided meditation. I use the guided one, Yoga Nidra for sleep. And she was like, now is when you relax. And then I fall asleep every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Um, I also like that app because it tells you when you've done, when you finished meditating, it tells you what your streak is. So how many days in a row you have meditated. And then it also tells you how many other people around the world who are using the app have that were meditating with you at the same time, which I think is really cool. Yes. Yeah. So you feel like, you know, because oftentimes meditation, unless you're doing it in a group format, it's an individual activity. It's a solo activity, but you can still feel connected to all of these people that are meditating at the same time as you. And you can know that you're doing something good for yourself, just like all of these other people. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a funny story about, well, just a funny comment about the, uh, the streak thing. So, and this ties into, I also wanted to share with you guys kind of what our meditation practice looks like right now. So I use the Insight Timer every night and it took me a while. I used to try to do it in the morning, but I just couldn't be consistent with that. And I used to like feel a little uh, shy meditating around my husband. I, I don't know why, but like he doesn't meditate. So I just, I don't know. I felt kind of shy doing it, but one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to meditate before bed and whatever. If he comes into the bedroom and needs to go to bed or whatever, I'll be sitting in meditation. So for the last few years, I've been doing that. And I set my timer for eight minutes. That's what mine is set at. <laughs> and if I want to do longer, I'll do longer, but I have eight minutes. And I was on a streak of like during the pandemic of like 150 days. Whoa. I know it was amazing, but there was one night where I went to bed after midnight. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like so upset that I had lost my streak and I sometimes will stay up past midnight. And so I have actually now started doing a it's a different kind of meditation practice in the morning, but I've started doing that in the morning and so now I am still on a hot streak. I just hit 110 days last Ooh, night. Oh, you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what my practice looks like. Um, another resource that I want to share actually is how I 
learn to meditate. So like I said, I was in that course, but within that course, we had required reading. And we used the book, How to Meditate by Pema Chodron, who is an amazing meditation teacher. She's like really helped me with being kind with myself and compassionate with myself. She's just so kind and compassionate. And I use the audio version of it because if you're doing meditation, it's really helpful to have somebody telling you what to do as opposed to like reading the book and being like, okay, you need to sit with a straight spine. Okay, let me get my spine straight. And then you close your eyes and do this. And then you have to open them to look back at the book again. So I recommend the audio version, but that was really helpful for me to get started in my meditation journey. Love it. Yeah. Tara Lee, any other uh, tips or resources that you can think of? I can't think of much, but a lot of times I'll just be like, now would be a great time to meditate. And I just go, hey, Siri, set a timer for one minute and meditate. Very simple. And you don't have to do much. Mm -hmm. And she sets the timer for you. So you don't have to think about it. So I would say that would be a resource. Um, Yeah. And if we can think of any more, we will add them to our Groove Therapy Podcast Facebook community. Yes. And if you have any more, please let us know because we always are interested in more and more resources. For sure. Okay. Well, Aaliyah, I'm super curious because I know mindfulness is a huge part of your business. So what are you up to? Yes. I love teaching people mindfulness so much. Honestly, I feel like it is like the basis and foundation for so much of the other work that I do with people. It helps people get into their body and bring awareness and just all of the other healing work can can go so much faster if a person has a mindfulness practice. So I am going to start a six-week mindfulness series very soon called Free Your Mind. And if you are interested in participating in that or learning more about that, I would love for you to go to Instagram and follow me at Dr. Leah Taylor and send me a DM with the word meditation and I will know exactly what you're talking about and I will reply to you and we can just talk about it. You can, you don't even have to be like, yeah, this is something I want to do. Maybe this episode has just piqued your interest and you want to know more and be supported and having a practice, starting a practice, continuing a practice, whatever it is, it's so powerful to do it in a group. And it's really helpful to have that time and space committed for it for yourself. It's just like a springboard for getting it going in your life. So I would love to help you with that. So that's at Dr. Leah Taylor on Instagram and the word meditation. Amazing. Yeah. How about you, Tara Lee? What would you like to share with the listeners? Well, mindfulness is a huge part of my online programs. And so if you have a dream that you want to pursue, whether it's to see if being your own boss is something for you, or you have something on your bucket list that you really, you've been talking about forever, but it's like you really need accountability and support and community to make it happen. I would love to talk to you. So Go to my Instagram at rocking life with two underscores and then send me a message that says groove therapy. I want to pursue my dream and we will talk about what that would look like and how I can support you. And there's one other thing that this also has to do with pursuing a dream because a lot of people have been seeing um, my Costa Rica retreat that I just did and they're like, oh, I want to do something like that with my friends. 
And so if you have a friend group that you want somebody to just like hold the space and do everything for you, so you can have an amazing, spiritual, incredible retreat of your dreams, whether it's your girlfriends or your boyfriends, or you're in a band, or you want to do a couple's retreat or whatever it is, but a retreat for your friends, I will hook it up. So you could also head on over to my Instagram at Reckoning Life with two underscores and say, retreat me, and I'll know what that means and we'll have a conversation. Nice. I love that. Yeah. I just feel so inspired after leading this retreat in Costa Rica. It was so perfect and so wonderful. And people had so many transformations and I just love holding space for people in that way. And I want to do it more and more. Yay. Yes. Well, win-win for you and Tara Lee. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely be in touch with her if that calls to you. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that you are very inspired to start meditating or continue on your meditation journey. Please go ahead and join our community at on Facebook at the Groove Therapy Podcast community. Also like us on Instagram while you're hitting us up individually. Go ahead and and follow the Groove Therapy Podcast on Instagram. And also know that we are a part of Osiris media and we're so grateful to be with all of the other arts and music podcasts that are also so inspiring so definitely check all of them out at osirispod.com wonderful well we wish you well and we hope you have an amazing day where you bring mindfulness into all of the things that you do yeah and i'm inspired to just take a couple of more breaths right here, right now. So just close your eyes wherever you are, if that's available to you and just take a nice deep breath in and out and just notice right now how you are feeling, what is up for you, any physical sensations in your body, the quality of your thoughts, any emotions that are like either right there on the surface or a little further down. And just sending some love and compassion to all of it. And then opening your eyes. And we will send you out into the rest of your day or evening. We love you so much. Thank you for being part of our community. We are extremely grateful for you. Yes, have the best day ever and love you. Bye. Bye.